from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Senesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Senior Salute Radio. Senior Salute Radio is presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm of Victoria Collier. And hello and welcome to Senior Salute Radio presented by the Estate and Asset Protection Law Firm of Victoria Collier. Alongside Victoria Collier, I'm Mike Salmon, and Senior Salute Radio brings timely information to leading age boomers and seniors addressing the issues of aging, caregiving, and maintaining quality of life. And today, Victoria, we're going to be discussing a very frustrating topic, and I can personally say (laughs) it's a very frustrating topic, and that is banking for seniors. And I say it's frustrating for me because I have a mom who's a senior, and... She's not quite on top of the finances like she used to be mm-hmm. when she was a lot younger. So, um, welcome and good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you. We we know this is a hot topic, a charged topic, and it can be a very frustrating topic. And I know you've called it a frustrating topic. Why do you say it is frustrating? Well, Mike, you know when we age, we do start needing and asking for help from others, and. The last three days, I have spent literally all day at three different banks for two different clients and achieving only 70% success. <laughs> um, and, um, and that is not uncommon for clients that we see every single day, but that I don't go to the bank with every day. But let me give you an example of my experience just in the past three days. Um, Friday night, um, we went to the bank to open, to to, to do a few tasks. Um, The client is in the ICU um, and had a power of attorney and had created a trust and we were going to the bank to either just retitle assets into the name of the trust that were already at the bank and or name a beneficiary on the accounts because it was very clear that she was going to be passing away soon Mm. and the goal in this case was to avoid probate first and foremost and second most avoid paying $1 million in estate taxes when she passes away. Wow. And so we were at the bank from 4.15 p.m. until 8.15 at a bank that doesn't stay open until 8.15. As I say, most stop (laughs) at 5 o'clock. That's right. Um, In fact, we were all so hungry. But... um, and the poor guy that was staying there helping us, you could see just how frustrated he was. Um, so that was one situation I was at. The other was I spent with a different client both Monday and Tuesday, um, between the two of them, about 10 hours at two different banks. And what we were trying to accomplish was just open a probate estate account. So someone had passed away and there were co-executors, so two people, and we needed to open an estate. Well, the first bank said that they could not open an estate where co-executors had to actually act unanimously together versus one being able to just to steal everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, And so even though we had sent paperwork a week in advance um, with everything that they would need, 
So that was one thing we were trying to do is open an estate account. The other is this client, he wasn't a client of mine. Um, so the decedent had years ago put a revocable living trust in place with the goal of avoiding probate, which so many people do, except that it wasn't drafted well, first and foremost, and it was never funded. Nothing was in it during his lifetime. So now while we're at the bank, we're trying to open what's called an administrator's trust after someone dies using the trust he had created, and the bank just couldn't ever get it. Just could never get it. And we, um, and that still hasn't been done. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I've spent, you know, all these hours. Um, literally, I spent yesterday from 9 o'clock in the morning um, at 1 o'clock. They said, will y'all just go to lunch and we'll even pay for it because we don't have an answer yet. Um, and then we came back from lunch and ultimately they just said, go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, so we weren't able to accomplish what we needed to there. <laughs> so. Well, what what are the challenges? Why are you having so many issues? Well, what's making it so hard? Well, first of all, banks don't care that the power of attorney person or the agent just drove eighteen hours to get in town to do what they need to do, uh, which is what happened in our second case. Is someone drove um, like eighteen hours to to be here to handle this on the two days that they had in town, but primarily. Um, it's because banks have their own policies, regardless of what the actual laws are that are in place, both on the state level as well as federal levels. Um, if it's not in their little binder of policies, they just can't do it. This is where we all shake our heads. That makes no sense. Well, I know, um, especially given that in Georgia, July of 2018, we have a whole new law on financial powers of attorney. And there's even a template that says, hey, if a person uses this template and presents it to a bank or a financial institution, that that bank or financial institution must accept it unless they can show evidence of fraud or misrepresentation. And yet, with my first case, um, we presented the financial power of attorney to a um, financial institution, like one of your big broker houses, um, like a Morgan Stanley or a Charles Schwab or something like that. And literally, and I have it in print, but I didn't bring it here for the radio, but um, the email says, we have to have our own in-house form in addition to the outside form. Um, and we have to, of course, have the person sign it. Well, if they're incompetent, they can't sign it, right? That's the whole point of doing one in advance of need. Right. It's <laughs> uh, called advanced directives for that very purpose. Or they have to have a physician sign it saying that they're incompetent. Sometimes the client's not incompetent. They are physically unable or geographically unable like in ICU um, and so neither of those situations fits perfectly but that's policy it's not law it's policy but doesn't that go exactly against the power of attorney and what it's supposed to accomplish absolutely absolutely <laughs> which is why banks are frustrating um, and then don't beat around the bush tell us what you really <laughs> think Victoria <laughs> I tell you, I had no problem coming up with a topic for this podcast today. Um, and then, let's just say that you're in the bank. 
and you're presenting all of this paperwork. And let's even say that it's the bank where you opened your account. It's the bank where you've had a relationship for 15 years, right? Anytime you present paperwork, they have to send it to what they call legal, which is their corporate division of legal, uh, which is never on site. They're generally in another state. They may be lawyers, but they're not specialists in estate planning, certainly not powers of attorney or trust. And so, and you don't get to talk to them. So as it were yesterday, uh, when I was in the bank for eight hours, um, I'm at the teller who knows me, you know, I mean, because I bank there. Right. And um, she's emailing back and forth these documents. Like, I have to send it to corporate. So she gets an email back, and I'm like, but ask these questions. So now we're going back, and I'm like, can you just get them on the phone? So now she's get them, she has them on the phone, except it's not the corporate. It's another person like her who's relaying back and forth. I'm like, what is this? And so why they finally sent us away at the end of the day is they come up and they say, and this is not unusual. Usually they just tell you much sooner than this is, oh, well, it could take 24 to 72 hours before we can get an answer from corporate. Um, Would have been nice to know that six hours earlier. Which, that's the standard response, but does that mean that no one's sitting there? You know, what is the hotline for if it's not to answer questions, you know? Um, So that's the other frustrating thing is, A, they won't accept your documentation provided by the state laws. Two, they've got to run it by corporate, which could take three days, Three days is too long to, in many situations, you know, when something needs to be done. Um, So let me see. And and by the way, does this compose maybe all, is this typical among all banks or or, or is this frustration you're going through this this past week just maybe um, an exception to the rule? So it is... um, Definitely among all banks. Okay. And <laughs> I was not hoping you wouldn't say that, but okay. Um, so let me give you an example of the trying to open the estate account with the co-executors. Um, my client, first of all, had a relationship with one of the banks, which is where all the money was. Okay. They're the first ones that we tried, of course, because that's where the money is. That's where you want to keep the money. Um, and they said no. So... We tried three other different types of banks, and finally one said, we will do it, and the others had said no, okay? Um, All of them want to send their stuff to corporate. It doesn't matter who you are, and it doesn't matter if it's a bank or a financial institution like, you know, the broker house. They all got to go to corporate. Um, So that's not unique, unfortunately. There are some banks that are quicker than others, there's some banks that are nicer than others. Um, there's some banks that you can schedule an appointment ahead of time and send things ahead of time that can hopefully make the process go faster than others. Uh, but overall, it's just one big frustrating pile of policy. <laughs> <laughs> pile of policy. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. I, can, I mean, I can obviously hear the frustration in your voice. I mean, that's, I mean time is money. And, and you're spending a lot of times in the bank, and you, you said you got, I think, 70% through, but that last 30% may be the hardest part. Uh, so you may still have an uphill battle. So you, there's a lot of frustration with the banks and the financial institutions. I mean, what other things are making it difficult for you? 
Well, and can I back up a second as mm-hmm. well, Victoria? Is part of it because you mentioned saving one of your clients about a million dollars in uh, estate taxes? In estate yes. taxes. So you, so we're talking about a lot of money here. Huge Does consequences. The, the 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 size of the money was that a factor? If I'm talking, you know, in my case, probably don't ha- won't have a lot of money. Would it be a lot easier, or we're still going to have these same struggles regardless of how much money we're talking about? So, Mike, it's very interesting you asked that question. Um, and number one, it doesn't matter the amount of money. What does seem to matter is whether you plan to keep it at the same bank or move it somewhere else. So the reason we finally were successful on Friday night with my first client was that we were planning ultimately to move the money somewhere else. And it's and we were talking uh, at that bank about 900000 okay? And it was, we can't do, we can't do, we can't do. And ultimately, we were successful by saying, we want to keep the money here. Oh, well, if you're going to keep it here, then we can find the solution, right? Interesting. Now, the one that was frustrating to me was, and I, you know, let's say that they've got to make sure their clients are being protected. Of course they do. I want my seniors to be protected, too. Um, and that's why there's certain policies and laws in place, right? Um, but one of them, the advisor said, well, I have to see the client before we can sign documents. This is the one that was death is imminent, not the one who had already died. And um, I'm like, I get it. So first of all, this is a huge brokerage. He's on vacation when we need things to happen, and it's a huge brokerage, and on the statement itself, it says, team so-and-so. Well, you would think that there's other team members that could actually accommodate, right? So nobody can accommodate. We have to wait for this person to come back. And so we have done all the paperwork in advance. We have sent it to everybody on his team that either are or aren't getting it. And then, and he's a nice guy, don't get me wrong. He's a nice guy but says, I've got to meet her, presumably, even though this didn't come out of his mouth, so I'm presuming, presumably to make sure she is, in fact, still alive. So then he says to the clients that I'm working with um, that I've got some paperwork for you to sign, and it's ready as long as we can sign it before she dies, okay? All sounds reasonable, okay? So they schedule a time to go out and see her. Sounds reasonable, right? So he goes out and sees her. He's with her. He's with them. I don't know the circumstances along how long they were together, but if the criteria was I have to see that she's alive, he could see she's alive and say, sign these papers real quick because she literally died while he was there and they did not sign the papers. That's a problem, right? I mean, we told him in advance that at this stage, she cannot communicate. You know, it had progressed so fast. So the only reason I can imagine that he would need to see her at that point, because he already knew she couldn't sign anything on her own, was to see if she's alive. She's alive, sign the papers, now let me visit. Right? He knew what the objectives were. Wow. <laughs> so, so I would say that there's policy and then there's just, what do you call it, um, not book smart, but what's the other? When Common you, sense. Common sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. seems to be lacking in a lot of areas, but right, especially right. here. Wow. Right. That's amazing. Um, well, and the other thing is she has um, a, disult, a, a disabled adult child who, um, who needs to be taken care of. 
you know, yeah. and, and are there sufficient funds? Absolutely. Um, nonetheless, you know, that one that million dollars that's going to go to state taxes, um, which will, of course, help our roads. And I'm a big proponent of paying taxes to help our roads, help people on Medicaid. That's what I do is I help people avail themselves of the services that taxes pay for. Um, but I also know that the facility he lives in is a Medicaid facility, and that extra million dollars could have gone as a donation to them, which would have also been what she would have wanted. Yeah. Well, a, a, a lot of circumstances and factors uh, specific to those cases, but I know for a lot of other folks, uh, there's still other frustrations and problems uh, that can crop up so what other things can can kind of make it difficult when we're talking about uh, seniors and banking right um there are things that can make it difficult that actually can be eliminated so it doesn't have to be so difficult and that's from a client perspective what can clients do um so number one um things that can make it difficult or clients have mobility issues and they just can't get out and mm -hmm. do the thing so they rely on others even when they are competent um, but upon the beginnings of those disabilities is when we need to start making arrangements and plans not years later or when it's become so debilitating that there's almost no opportunity to get done what we want and need to fulfill our independence and our desires. Yeah, and this is a common theme that we talk about on every single show is, is, is to do it early before the problems arise. That's right, that's right. The other thing is that laws change and clients think that just because they have done their plan 20 years ago, that it's still good and valid and is going to do everything they need. Haven't touched it since. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, you know, people need to treat their estate plans like they treat themselves or, if they don't treat themselves very well, like they treat their cars. You know, we get oil changes every three to 5,000 miles. Uh, we go and get annual checkups on our body. Um, we do self-preservation of our house. We do maintenance on our house. Why would we not do that on estate planning? Um, fine, people don't like lawyers. Fine, it costs money. But so do car things. maintenance, yeah. you know, all those other things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then again, you know, um, if a person is a, here's a frustration that has nothing to do with the actual person who's put in this position but it has everything to do with the person who's doing their estate plan and that is if someone is a joint owner on a bank account or if someone is payable on death on that bank account which people do all the time to avoid probate instead of trusts you know they'll just do a transfer on death named beneficiary if they are co-owner or payable on death the policy at many banks is that you cannot then be the power of attorney on that account. So, Mike, let's say that you are an only child of your mother, and so you're the one who's naturally going to manage things. She doesn't want to pay a lawyer to do a trust. She doesn't want to have to go through court for probate, so she adds you as a co-owner because you're the one managing anything mm -hmm. anyway. Or you're, she doesn't want to put you as a co-owner because, you know, you're on your fifth wife and, you know, she wants to make sure that at death you can get stuff, but definitely not while you're on your fifth wife, right? 
Um, so she names you as power of attorney so you can manage things through incapacity, but she wants to avoid probate so you're payable on death. Nope, the bank won't allow you to do that. And so now she either doesn't have someone to help her manage it while she's alive, or you have to go through probate. Or she has to name someone other than you to get the money at death. None of those are the situations that she personally would choose. And she's the one who should be able to choose that, not a policy in a bank. Right? Gotcha. So that's a frustration. Yes. And to be clear, I'm not on my fifth wife. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> I said as if. <laughs> okay. Just making sure. And I don't know that you're, sing- that you're an only child either, so. <laughs> no. Um, but, um, okay, so... If I'm one of those people and I don't want to deal with a lawyer, what are some things that I can do on my own to, to ease this and, and so I won't have the frustration down the road? Well, first of all, I would say that's the problem is trying to do it on your own and right. not having a lawyer. They don't, I don't want, as you said, I don't want to spend the money, although it may cost them more later on. But let's just, some people, you, you can't change the way they think. Well, I will say what people do on their own. I'm not going to say what they should do. I will say what they often do um, to try to avoid some of that frustration. One is adding co-owners to the accounts, okay? At least the person has the access while they're alive um, to be able to manage things. And then at death, uh, they have immediate access to it as well. It doesn't go through probate. Why I don't always recommend this, and rarely, is that when you add co-owners to your account, that co-owner's debts are now tied to that account. So if they get sued, all that money could be used to pay off the lawsuit. If they get divorced, half of that can be used in the divorce split. If they don't pay their taxes, the IRS will garnish that account because their name is on it too. And that happens, you know, a lot. So co-ownership is not the answer, but that is how people will informally try to do it and avoid lawyers. Another is that they will do their own powers of attorney that they get from the website, you know, online access to things. The problem with that often is that they're too generic and you still have the problem of the bank saying, hey, we want our own form. So what they'll do is they'll go to the bank and they'll get their own form from the bank. But the problem with that is, number one, it's only good at the bank. If they have a house and you need to cut on or off the electricity or the cable, or you need to sign a contract to move into assisted living, for example, that power of attorney at the bank isn't going to do you any good at all. Plus, the powers of attorney at the bank or with the big mortgage, uh, sorry, the big wheelhouses, they only allow you to name one agent and rarely ever contingent agents or backups. And where that's a problem is something could happen to your agent Mm -hmm. (laughs) before it happens to you. And if you're not competent to sign a new form, You've got nobody. You've got nobody. So while these are things people do to try to reduce the stress and avoid seeing lawyers, not having to pay any money, there's inherent problems in all that that actually then produces more stress. You're making a good case right now to just put my money in a mattress and have my mom put her money in a mattress as well. It just seems like it'd be less stressful, less frustration. Other than putting your money in the mattress, then what should people do? Well, would you like me to tell you why you shouldn't put your money in a mattress? Because um, now, well, sure, I'm sure. 
or you've got to get a security system. Well, yes. <laughs> and you're not making any interest. <laughs> so, um, and then, of course, when you get dementia, you forget it's there. So now, you know, you sell the house fully you furnished. You have a garage sale and you sell the mattress. <laughs> right. and it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's right. You know, you hear new okay. stories like that all the time. Okay. So, so <laughs> we've learned don't put your money in a mattress. But I don't want to deal with the frustration. What can I do? So these are some solutions that I do recommend. Um, and these are definitely the steps that I recommend to our clients. And that is make sure that the person has the most updated standard form recommended by their state. Um, and as soon as they sign it, while they're competent, because presumably they are competent if they're signing forms, you cannot sign forms if you are not competent, is once you've done that, immediately go to the bank and or if they're online or somewhere else, send them your what they call outside form, say put this on file and then ask them, do you need anything else so that my agent can act on my behalf? Then they might say, no, this is good enough. I'm going to scan it right in. Or they might say, yes, we have our own form. Complete that now, too. So then you complete that, too. I will tell you that even when you go to the bank and tell them to put something on file, it doesn't always happen. The second case I had um, at the banks this week, the man died a year ago. And um, one of the children went to the bank and filed a death certificate with the bank yesterday. Nobody had any um, clue or indication that there was ever one ever brought to the bank and put on file. Mm. Um, so it is important to just to also confirm that they have all the documentation. It is in their system. Um, so once that's complete, then I recommend that um, people have a revocable trust. And I am not one of those lawyers who used to say that in the state of Georgia. Because in the state of Georgia, probate is not the most horrible thing in the world, okay? Um, but I'll give you an example of my client that did just pass away. In fact, you know, like I said, I, we were at banks for the past three days, and she passed away yesterday. Um, and I'll talk about why avoiding probate <laughs> is, is a good thing. And the, the best way to do that is by having what's called a living trust. Um, if... She, for example, had a living trust. If her assets, for example, were retitled into the living trust, then she was at the hospital and she had a backup trustee named in there. All the backup trustee would have to do is show evidence of inability to manage the finances and go sign a signature card at the bank or at the financial institution. And things could proceed as normal. Okay. Um, but... That's not what's happening. We're spending hours just to see if they're legal. We'll accept a power of attorney, you mm -hmm. know. So I do highly recommend revocable living trust, um, not always just to avoid probate, but so that we have that smoother transition through that disability stage. And to me, that's much more important than at death. But let me share with you what's happening at death here is that this will was drafted, for example, in 1980. 1980. How many years ago was that, Mike? Yeah, I know. Do my math. That's almost 40 years ago. Right. Okay. So you can probably imagine some things have changed in her life. And so one of the things that has changed is that um, people she named in there 
aren't alive anymore. Um, people that she named in there are, oh, in their 80s and 90s, and those are the ones that are going to be taking care of things. They're out of state. They're nowhere near here. Um, so imagine how easy that is for someone who's in their 90s to traverse to Georgia to go open a probate estate, you know. Um, so I recommend that if people truly do want what they say they want when they're in my seminars, when they're in my conference rooms, when we're talking, just in general, what everyone says is I want it to be as smooth and easy as possible for the other people who have to either take care of me or take care of my stuff when I die. If that's truly the case, they would have a living trust and they would retitle their assets to it. Having right. one alone isn't good enough. Right. So. And also, if that's the case, then it wouldn't all just come down to cost. Hopefully, people don't come to you and say, I just want the cheapest plan. I mean, the frust- you can't put a, like, the, value, the, the frustration you've gone, on, gone through this past week, you can't even put a value on that. You can't put a value on that. And if you're going to have that value, you have to use real experts who know what they're doing. Yeah. An estate planning attorney, a certified elder law attorney. Um, And, you know, one of the issues we're having with the second case I was telling you about, the trust that wasn't funded, you know, that had nothing in it, was prepared by a family law attorney, an adoption attorney. And I can't, Mike, I cannot tell you how many errors there were in it. So So they can legally draft it, but doesn't mean they should. Right, right. I'll tell you one small example. One small example. You're, You're smiling from ear to ear right now. This obviously tickled you. It's a travesty. It really is. And this is because this is what the will said. Everything to my spouse, assuming my spouse lives beyond me, Everything to a particular type of trust for my spouse if my spouse lives beyond me. If my spouse does not live beyond me, then X percentage to my spouse, another X percentage to another person, blah, blah, blah. Well, how can the spouse get a percentage if the spouse is dead before? Right. Right? And so that's one thing. And then the trust they reference doesn't even exist anywhere in the document. So, yeah. Using experts who actually know what they're doing, that this is what they do every single day, they're going to cost more in the front end. Right. And they're going to save tens of thousands, and I'm not exaggerating here, tens of thousands on the back end because it was done right to begin with. Well, there's going to be consequences if you don't do it right. I mean, I'm sure you've seen plenty of cases where there were consequences. I could stay here all day, but um, just in this week alone on the two cases that I'm highlighting today, one was a $1 million consequence and probate. The other is definitely probate (laughs) and just the time and worry of uh, and, and, and stress of not even getting it done. Just I don't know what we're going to do, actually, um, unless I can grab through the phone and beat some heads. But, uh, and, you know, sometimes you need a lawyer who can do that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Something tells me you'd be good at doing that, too. I've seen the, the good and the, the bad. But the, the, the bad is good because you're going to bat for your client. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, for those that would like to f- talk more about this, they're having some problems or issues or would like to talk about your services, what's the best way to reach you? Maybe a phone number or a website? Well, Mike, our phone number is 470 235 
4700-235-7848. That's 470-235-7848. And our website is www.elderlawgeorgia.com. That's www.elderlawgeorgia.com. And Mike, I actually am a certified elder law attorney. And for 17 years, we have done nothing but asset protection, estate planning, and we're getting more and more into probate. Gotcha. All right. Well, a lot of information today and uh, wow, just a lot of good stuff there. I want to remind our listeners that you've been listening to Senior Salute, which is a bi-monthly show bringing timely information for leading age boomers and available 24-7 online by visiting businessradiox.com, select the Gwinnett Studio, and then select Senior Salute. I would like to thank our listeners. We salute you. <laughs>